That is Bible study night. Who's in love with the Word of God? Anybody love the Word of God? We're having a great time as we're studying and learning and being developed in our relationship with the Word of God. Seeing Jesus Christ in how many books of the Bible? In every book of the Bible. We're looking to see Jesus Christ in every book of the Bible. And uh, we've been seeing him in some ways that we didn't know he was there, right? We've seen him in some places where we did not know that he was. And we have discovered that he truly is in every book of the Bible. And, and sometimes it just requires a little study so that you can see and know that he's in every book of the Bible. And you can see how much God loves who? All of us, right? Because, because he had Jesus on his mind for us way, way before Jesus showed up. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. So last time when we were studying, we were, we were looking at uh, what book of the Bible? Don't all yell at once. What Job. book of the Bible? Job. The book of Job. And we, were, and we saw Jesus in that book of the Bible, right? How many of you went and read any of it after Bible study? Okay, when, you, when we're studying something, read it on your own for yourself so that then the Lord can give you even more understanding about how that word applies to your life. Because you want to know, how does it apply to my life? Correct? And so when we, last time, uh, when we were studying in the book of Job, and, and we kept seeing the word, uh, all, the Almighty. Who remembers when we talked about the Almighty, present, being mentioned over and over and over again in the book of Job. And we discovered that be, by doing that, the Lord was saying something to us. Every, every time we saw the Almighty, God was trying to communicate something to us. Does anybody know what it was? He was he's been trying to communicate to us through all of those references in the book of Job to the Almighty. All sufficient. Okay? And, and in the original language that the Bible was written in, the Almighty is... Uh, is what word? What word describes the Almighty in the original language? El Shaddai, meaning the all-sufficient one, meaning the, the, the many-breasted one, meaning what? whatever you have need of, God has it. He's able to provide how many needs? All of your needs, okay? Now, El Shaddai also speaks of Jesus. How does it speak of Jesus Christ? How does it speak of Jesus Christ? Is he sufficient? Is he all sufficient? Okay. Was his sacrifice on the cross enough to save us? Yes. Okay. And so we see that when we see El Shaddai, when we see the Almighty mentioned over and over and over again in the book of Job, we, we get to understand that way back then, God was communicating that he had all of our needs covered. He was looking out for our welfare. He was going to provide for us for how long? Forever. Forever. Correct? Yes. yes. 
wonderful. Glory to God. So we saw some other wonderful things, and, and uh, we won't zero in on those right tonight because we want to go on to the next book of the Bible after the book of Job. Okay, so let's get your Bible open. And uh, those of you who are, are Facebook Live, get your Bible open too. So glad you're with us tonight, studying the Word with us learning with a hunger for God to be greater on the inside of you. That's awesome. So what's the next book in the Bible after the book of Job? Psalms. The book of Psalms. What's the book after Job? Psalms. The book of Psalms. That's the next one in our Bible, okay? The book of Psalms. Uh, and how many uh, have found the book of Psalms easy to locate? How many of you have found the book of Psalms easy to locate? What makes the book of Psalms easy to locate? Hmm? It's in the middle, right? So, so, so you may not know where all the books of the Bible are, but the book of Job, I mean the book of Psalms is easy to find because it's in the middle. How many of you ever just opened your Bible to the middle and say, Lord, talk to me out of your Bible? Yes. Yes. We all have done that. And when we do that, does he speak to us? Yes. yes. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. Because he don't, he don't want to say, he don't want to embarrass you. Like, you don't even know what you're doing. He's just glad you're coming to his word. Because when you go to his word, there's always something in there that can speak to your life, that can speak to your circumstances, that can speak to your situation, even if you just let it fall open. In the, even if you just divide it in the middle. Now, you're supposed to grow from that place. Who's grown from that place? Wonderful. You're supposed to grow from that place and get into the Word like we're going to do tonight. So, the book of Psalms, okay? Uh, so, let's start with the word, Psalms. What is a psalm? Does anybody know what a psalm is? Hmm? What is a psalm? A poem, thank you, it's a poem. A psalm is a poem that is to be sung to a stringed instrument. So it's a song that you sing and some, while you play a stringed instrument or somebody's playing a stringed instrument. So what is a psalm? I just told you, what is a song? Wake up. A poem. A poem. That is to be sung. That is to be sung. With a string instrument. Okay, with a string instrument. Okay. And so, uh, uh, what's a stringed instrument? A harp. A harp is a stringed instrument. What else is a stringed instrument? A guitar. A guitar is a stringed instrument. What else is a stringed instrument? A piano is a stringed instrument, okay? And so, and so these, this book of Psalms is a collection of songs to be sung with a stringed instrument, okay? Now, are you ready for this question? You're in the book of Psalms? You see it? How you spell it? Spell it. P-S-A-L-M-S. 
Psalms, right? Okay, how come it starts with a P? Somebody said the P is silent. Okay, the P is silent. Yes. So what, why does it start with a P? Hmm? Anybody know why? Hmm? Poetic? Okay. The reason why the word Psalms starts with a P is because in the original language, P-S was pronounced like it's an S. Okay? So you ever heard anybody say Psalms? <laughs> Have you ever heard that? You probably hear a lot of things when people are studying the Bible, right? So, so, but it's so like like this sister said, it is silent. But the P and the S in the original language of Greek in which this was written, the P and the S was were pronounced as one, and it was pronounced as an S. Okay. So we're, this this is Bible study, right? So study means we want to get some understanding, okay? And and. Uh, that's what we're doing as we're dissecting the word psalms. We know that it's a, it's a poetic song uh, to be sung by stringed instruments, other instruments as well. Okay, now when we do the psalms, do we only use a guitar? Do we use harps? Some people do, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but now we do all kind of instruments. Make a, a joyful noise to the Lord with all kind of instruments. Okay, do you not know that many of the psalms that are written in this book are, have been turned into songs straight the way they were written, straight the way they are written? Okay, and, and that's how they started. Somebody wrote a poem, turned it into a song, began to sing it with an instrument. Now, many, many songs have been written based on the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, so this is a song book. What kind of book is it? It's a song book, okay? It's a song book. And, and uh, does anybody know how many songs are in this book? 150. 150 songs. That's quite a song book, isn't it? Yes. Now, what you do need to understand is that all, all of the songs that are written, all of the songs that are in the book of Psalms were not written by one person. They were written by several people. Who's the most famous songwriter that we know about in the Bible? David. King David is the most famous songwriter that we know of in, in the Bible. But he was not the only writer of the songs that are contained in the book of Psalms. He wrote almost half of them, but he was not the only writer of the Psalms. Okay, there were other people who, <clears throat> excuse me, wrote many of the Psalms. There were musicians that wrote some of the Psalms. Okay, uh, even Hezekiah wrote some of the Psalms. Even Solomon wrote some of the Psalms. 
okay? And, and, and other musicians and other singers wrote some of the songs. Even Moses, surprise, surprise, even Moses wrote a couple of them. When we see this, when we hear this, what, what, what it should expand our understanding of the Bible writers. Because were they one-dimensional people? No. They were multi-dimensional people, okay? They were leaders. They were teachers. They were parents. They were kings, priests, writers, musicians. So, so the Lord gave many gifts to many people, right? Has he given you some gifts? Say yes. Yes. Are you using them? Say yes. Kind of, sort of, right? Come, whatever. Say something. <laughs> okay? So, so they were multidimensional. And what I want you to get from, from, from understanding that somebody like King David or, or Solomon or, or, or Hezekiah, that, that these were people that didn't just appear on the page of a Bible. These were multidimensional people with life and energy and gifts and talents and abilities, just like you. Say, just like me. Okay? Just like me. So it wasn't that, well, I'm a, I'm a king, so therefore I can't be a musician. No, no, no. Well, it wasn't, well, 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 I'm a priest, and so therefore I can't be a singer. Are you understanding? Okay? And so when you're, so that should give us a greater appreciation for the people who, who have done the writing. That should give us a greater appreciation for who God is. Because he puts all the gifts in us to be used. And so here are people who wrote songs how long ago? Many, many years. Hundreds and thousands of years ago. And the songs are in print in our Bibles. For who? For us. For our benefit. Okay? So how many songs are in the book, in this song book? 150 of them are in, in this songbook. And um, the song, even the songbook is divided into sub-books. So uh, uh, the this book of Psalms is divided into five books. Did you know that? It's divided into five books. Uh, chapters 1 through 41 or something, that's book number one. Then, then chapters 42 to 72, that's book number two. And, and those two books were, were exclusively written by David. Then book three, Psalm 73 to 89, were, was written by Hezekiah. So that means if they wrote songs, does that mean they sang songs? Pretty much, right? Yes. Uh, books, book four is... Uh, the chapters 90 through 106 and book 5 within the 150 Psalm 107 to 150 though book 4 and 5 were written by Ezra you remember us studying about Ezra who was a priest and a, and a Bible scholar okay he wrote uh, Psalm 90 through 150 all right now 
how many of you have read anything in the book of Psalms? Raise your hand if you've read anything in the book of Psalms. Okay. You are very much in company with almost everybody else because it is the most read book of the entire Bible. How many of you have a passage in the book of Psalms that's your favorite? <laughs> Who has a favorite? Who has more than one favorite? <laughs> okay, somebody tell me one favorite of yours. Psalms 34. Psalms 34. Who has a different favorite? Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Psalm 27, Psalm 23, Psalms 150, Psalm 119, you're going to be reading it for a long time, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? That's the longest, longest chapter in the Bible, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. They even had to break that down yeah, in, in yeah. parts, right? Because yeah. when you get to that, that, on that, if that's your day to read Psalm 119, you'd be like, I don't know how I can read all this today. Anybody have another favorite? Psalm 68? How many heard a favorite that you don't know about? So that means that gives you something to go home and read. Psalm 37. all different favorites. Okay, Psalm 42 is one of mine. Psalm 51. Psalm 1, is one, of mine. Psalm one number one. Blessed is the man, is the man that walketh not, what? In the counsel of the ungodly. See? See? All right. And, and because it's so red, and, and, and you've had evidently some experience reading it, when somebody says, oh, that's my favorite, then, 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 and they start speaking it, what happens to you? Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. See, 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 you know. You know some of it, right? Because, because it may not be your number one, but, it, but it's in you. It's in you. Correct? Correct. And, and, and uh, the people who were writing the book of Psalms were, were not just putting, not just writing a poem, but they were, and I think so, the reason why so many people love the book of Psalms, go to the book of Psalms uh, as a first choice to read, is because what's in the book of Psalms is written from people's hearts. There's, there, there's a place in the book of Psalms for what you feel in your heart. If you feel joy, there's something in the book of Psalms. If you feel hap happiness, there's something in the book of Psalms. If you feel depressed, there's something in the book of Psalms. And when you read the book of Psalms, you can come to the book of Psalms with no emotion whatsoever and start reading in the book of Psalms and something will happen positive to you 
because the book of Psalms, like the rest of it, is anointed. And it will speak to you. Some, pe- some people I wish, who shall remain nameless will uh, read the Bible because somebody told them to read the Bible every day. So, okay, I'm reading the Bible today. And they just let the Bible fall open to the book of Psalms and they just pick out something and commence the reading. And they get about two verses into reading and whatever they're reading starts speaking to them and affecting their heart. Who's had that experience? Yes. If you've not had that experience, I encourage you, I challenge you, try it. God will speak to you out of his word. And and when you read the book of Psalms, every emotion is there. Why? Because the Lord wants you to know he cares. He wants you to know he's available in every situation, in every circumstance. He's available to you. And he used different kind of people to write it. Now, did they all go to a writing class and sit down for a semester, and at the end of the semester, they had 150 songs written, 150 poems written? No, they didn't. How long, how, so, so, so the book of Psalms was written over periods of years, as we've said earlier, hundreds of years, thousands of years. I mean, come on, if one, of the, if one of them was written by Moses, that was thousands of years. Who, who, who would hold on to a manuscript of a song that was written 4,000 years ago? And, and then be commanded to put it in a book so we would have it for now. Who was behind that happening? God. That's awesome to even think about. Amen? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So the Psalms teach us many things. It's a heartfelt book, but it also is a teaching book. It teaches us about the doctrines of God. It teaches us about the throne of grace, and how to approach it. Teaches us how to come to God. Okay? It it teaches that you can come to God just as you are. Okay? It teaches you you can come to God crying out. You can come to God crying. You can come to God laughing. You can come to God rejoicing. You can come to God happy. You can come to God sad. You can come to God tired. You can come to God disappointed. You can come to God in grief. You can come to God in sorrow. You can come to God when you mess up. That's what Psalm 51 is all about. Okay? And and if you had experience of messing up, you need to read Psalm 51. Because because in that Psalm, uh, King David is coming to the Lord, pouring out his heart when, when he's been found out that he messed up. And has such a relationship with the Lord that he could come to God even when he messed up. And we can come to God even when we mess up. That's why this word is there, available to us to utilize even when we mess up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And when we read it, and when you read it, 
whatever, you need to read it like it's written just to you, just for you, just for you. Because we serve a loving God, a forgiving God, a gracious God, a compassionate God, a loving Savior. Amen? Okay. In the Bible and in the book of Psalms, uh, we can find out about our covenant with God, our covenant relationship with God, meaning what? He promised to be our God and to let us be his people. Has he changed his mind? He has not changed his mind. And that's what we find out when we read about the covenant, that it's for how long? It's forever. It's forever. In the book of Psalms, we read about the pardoning of sin. In, in, in the book of Psalms, we read about the revelation of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So let's look a little bit through the book right now, okay? Let's go to Psalm chapter 22. Are you there? Psalm chapter 22 and verse 1. It says, well, first of all, who wrote this Psalm 22? David. And if you're reading, if you're reading in a hard copy of your Bible, uh, there should be a little note above it letting you know he was the writer of this particular one. Verse 1 says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee they trusted and thou didst deliver them they cried unto thee and and were delivered they trusted in thee and were not confounded what is that saying to us we can trust in him we can cry out to him right verse 1 speaks speaks about who verse 22 verse 1 says what my god my god why hast thou what forsaken me who else said that jesus jesus was jesus alive when this psalm 22 was written was he on the earth then no no he wasn't alive when king david wrote this so, 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 so how could King David write something that really applies to Jesus? And Jesus hadn't showed up yet. How could King David write a, write a song, the first verse of which applied to Jesus, and Jesus hadn't showed up yet? How could he do that? Hmm? He was, it was, he was prophesying. Did he know he was prophesying? Probably not. <laughs> but, what, but what was he doing? Talking to God. Because 
and God was talking to him because these songs are songs of of what? Praise and songs of what? Worship. Right? So, so when he's singing this song, what is he doing? He's praising, he's worshiping, and when you praise and when you worship, is it possible that God will reveal himself to you in a level where you don't even know? You have no clue before he speaks to you in that moment. Because the word says he inhabits the praises of his people. And so here is King David getting a revelation about Jesus Christ hundreds of years before Jesus showed up in the flesh. So, so, so why, would the Lord, why would God give him a song like that that, we, that we're reading today? Why would God give King David that revelation so he could put it in a song and we could read it today? Hmm? Why would he do that? For no reason, just la di da, whatever. So we would know that it's relevant. When we read it, it's relevant for today. It applies to our lives. And it was also relevant to David's experience at that time. And it could also be relevant to your situation at this time. Right? Okay. And so that even when you read and hear Jesus say it in the New Testament, you'll know that that didn't just show up. Correct? All right. Okay. Are you learning? Good. Very good. Okay. Let's go to Psalm 23. And we're going to look at some ways that, that the Lord reveals himself through the book of Psalms, through these songs that were written. All right? So Psalm 23, verse 1, are you there? All right. Says what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay? So, um, the Lord is my shepherd. What it, what, so here, we're seeing the, the Lord being revealed as a what? As a shepherd. Okay? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So, so when, when we're seeing the Lord revealed as a shepherd, what do we know about a shepherd? They care, for, okay, cares for the flock. What, what does that mean? He, he leads, them. leads them. Protects them. I can't hear you. Provides, watches over. Okay. So, so when we read that and it says the Lord is my shepherd, then, then we, we get a vision of a shepherd in our mind. And then we can apply it to God. And what is he saying to us? He is our shepherd. Okay. And we shall 
not want, meaning what he's going to meet our needs. All, is he gonna meet our needs right when we say meet it right now? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But is he gonna meet our need? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. How many of us love it when he makes us wait sometimes? No. I don't see any hands up on that. I'm not putting my hands up on that. Somebody said, I can wait a minute. We get past a minute. I start getting antsy, right, in, in, in many ways. But here we see uh, God, in, a song being written about God in the context of being a shepherd, okay? Let's go to Psalm number three. Psalm number three. Are you there? Okay, Psalm 3 and verse 3. It says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. Here we're seeing, a, we're seeing an image of God as a shield. As a what? A shield. What does a shield do? It protects. And what does God do as a shield? He protects. Okay? <coughs> so if we start at verse 1 and go down to 3, let's look at the heart of, this, of what's being spoken here. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. You ever had that happen? Verse 2, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Verse 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. Okay. All right, after verse 2, it says there is no help for him in God. Selah, what does that mean? <coughs> Selah, is that somebody's name? It means pause, think about that. Think about that. There is a shield for you, okay? And so this is a song. Now the original song, I don't, we don't have the sheet music for it. Somebody might, but I don't have it. But I do know that, that somebody else took this same song and put a different melody to it. How many of you ever heard this chapter, these verses, in the form of a song? Yes. Yes, okay. A melody comes to you as, you, as, you, as you're thinking about it and as you're reading it, okay? Uh, let's go to chapter 7. Just seeing the different images of God in the book of Psalms. Chapter 7 and verse 11. Are you there? Chapter 7, verse 11. And it says, God 
judges the righteous. And God is angry with the wicked every day. So this, in this verse, we're seeing God as a judge. But he's a righteous judge. Okay? He is the righteous judge. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay? All right. Let's, let's, do, um, let's do a couple more. Let's go to chapter 18. Psalm chapter 18. And Psalm chapter 18 and verse 18 and 16. All right, are you there? Chapter 18, verse 16, it says, He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. Meaning what? If you're in many waters, what's going on? You're in trouble. You're in trouble, right? And, and, and if you're in many waters and you're in trouble, you need somebody to save you, right? Okay, all right. So, so verse 17, he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. But... Verse 16, again, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. Meaning what? He saved. He saved me. Thank you, Lord. Okay? All right. Let's do a couple more. Let's do one I know you know. Let's go to Psalm 46. I got about a whole bunch of favorites in this book. This is another one. Psalm 46 and verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Here we're seeing God as a what? A refuge. What's a refuge? A hiding place. A safe place, a safe harbor. God is my refuge and my strength, a very absent help. Not absent, not absent. I don't care what it feels like, he's not absent. He's a very present help in trouble. Who's ever felt like he was absent? Can't go by your feelings. You got to go by what his word says. He's a very present help in trouble. He is our refuge, meaning what? You can run to him. You can go to him. Okay? And he will receive us, right? He, he's right there. He's ready. He's able to love on us, take care of us. Aren't you glad? Comfort us. Aren't you glad? He's a comforter. Glory to God. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. All right. Uh, let's do one more. Let's go over to Psalm 
49. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you there? Psalm 49. And tell me who you think of when we read this. Are you ready? Psalm 49, verse 15. You there? It says, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Okay, I'm going to read again. Verse 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Who is that? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Now, significant. This particular song was not written by David. This particular song was not written by David. It was written by a worship leader named Korah. Mm-hmm, Korah. He was a Levite. He wrote this. But we read another one, and, and, and David was the one with the revelation about Jesus. And now here's Korah with a revelation about Jesus. Where did he get it from? God. What was Korah? He was a he was a worshiper. He was a Levite. He was a Levite. Okay? He was a praise and worship person. So, so how are these people getting so in touch with the heart of God? Because they spent time doing what? Praising and worshiping. Praising and what? And worshiping. Praise. And God, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. So God inhabited the praise. He came where they were. He revealed himself and, and gave them revelation beyond their years, beyond their knowledge, beyond their understanding. So that when we read it now, we can see that God was about revealing himself over and over and over and over and over again, from the beginning until right now. Up until right now. So, so, so praise and worship is not an exercise. Praise and worship is not a meaningless exercise. Praise and worship is not a form and a function. Praise and worship is not a ritual or a routine. Praise and worship is where God comes. Praise and worship is where God comes to you. So that praise and worship should not be something that you just do when you're at church. You should praise and worship when you're not at church. Sometimes when, you, when you're in a quandary, you don't know what to do, you need to praise and worship and God will speak to you as he spoke to Korah right here, as he spoke to David, as he spoke to Saul, and other, and other of these songwriters, these poetry writers. He will speak to you. 
So, so you need to be present when praise and worship starts. You should, not, you should not be waiting until praise and worship is over before you arrive at church. Because sometimes all the revelation you're going to get out of that service could be through praise and worship. Could be through your heart being totally given to God in praise and thanksgiving and worship. Sometimes he'll answer you through praise and worship. Somebody, well, I, 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 you know, praise and worship is good when I'm at church. And, and, it's, and it's wonderful, the praise team and, and all that. That's good when I'm at church. You need to begin to praise and worship when you're not at church. You need to praise and worship when you're at home, when you're, at, when you're in the car. Okay? You need to praise and worship. And now, with all of the means of, of getting music into your life, you can get you can praise and worship by yourself you can put it in your ears nobody got to hear what you're hearing and god will visit you how many of you have ever had the experience of coming to church dry tired wore out tired disgusted busted and enter into praise and worship it will revive your soul. It is supernatural. He inhabits the praises of his people. So you ought to know that when you're tired and you're run down and you're wore out and you, and you feel disgusted and you feel irritated and you feel depressed and you feel sad and you feel whatever you feel, the Lord will come to you in praise and worship. He'll come to you in praise and worship. He'll give you an answer. He'll, he'll lift your heart. He'll, he'll lift heaviness off of you. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so when, we, and so when we're reading here in this book of Psalms about these these people who wrote these poems and were singing these songs and they're getting revelation about Jesus Christ hundreds of years before he showed up in the flesh, it was because God inhabits the praises of his people and he will show up. That's why when you read them, they lift you up. Even in grief and sorrow, they'll lift you up. Even through devastation, they'll lift you up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, 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 so what can God say to you in this time, in this season, through praise and worship, for the next generation? What could he speak to you? What should you be reading that he said to you that could be put in print for the next generation and the next generation and the next a revelation of who he is. Because he's not through revealing himself. I hope you know that. He's not through revealing himself. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? And, 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 when, the, and when these writers were writing their poetry, they weren't just writing it for a poem. They were writing it as a what? song to be sung to God. So, 
If you've been skipping out on praise and worship, repent. <laughs> and understand the power of praise and worship. And understand the power that's in the book of Psalms when you read it. Now you have a greater understanding about why it will minister to you because it was written by praisers and worshipers. Amen? And it is a weapon of our warfare. You can push back negativity by praise and worship. You can push back the adversary and the enemy through praise and worship. How many praise and worship when they're not at church? Okay, and, and if you, so you can go on, on YouTube and, and, and you can go on iTunes and create a playlist for yourself. Who has a, who has a praise playlist? I have several, in case y'all, you, you're surprised to hear that, right? I have several praise playlists. Because sometimes you need to use your playlist when you don't feel good. You need to use your praise playlist when you feel bad, when you're down, when you're depressed, when you have blue Monday, terrible Tuesday, whatever. Wicked Wednesday. <laughs> okay, Freaky Friday, whatever. You need to have a playlist. So I just don't feel like it. You ain't got to have no feeling. If you, if, if you, Step into that praise. It'll change what you feel. It'll change your feeling. It'll change your mind. It'll transform you by the renewing of your mind. It will be renewed. So if you don't have a playlist, you need to get you one. Somebody say, well, I don't know nothing about no iTunes. Well, a whole lot of you know everything about iTunes. Okay? So, but you know about YouTube. They got playlists already made for you already done. If you got a favorite artist, put their name in there. And their playlist will come up. Pick the anointed ones. Okay? And ask the Lord for the anointed. If you don't know, Lord, lead me to the anointed music that's on here. He'll do it. And change your life forever. Amen. If, you have, you ain't gotta, if it's blue Monday, you ain't got to be blue all day on Monday. Mm -mm. Put it on your playlist and give the Lord praise and give the Lord glory and worship and honor. Amen. We'll continue next time. God bless you all.